Let us pray. Living God, help us to hear your holy words that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Our scripture today comes from the first, first book of Samuel, chapter seven, verses three through 17. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign guards and gods and the Astartes from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel put away the Baals and the Astartes, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mishpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mishpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mishpah. When the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mishpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us and pray that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it as a, holy, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion and they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mishpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as beyond Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mishpah and Jeshana and named it Ebenezer. For he said, thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The towns that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered their territory from the hands of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mishpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would come back to Ramah, for his home was there. He administered justice to Israel and built there an altar to the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. A few weeks ago, we read about the calling of Samuel, who became a faithful prophet of the Lord in Israel. Unfortunately, Samuel's faithfulness was not rubbing off on the rest of the Israelites, and therefore things continued to go poorly for them. 
At one point after being defeated by the Philistines in battle, the Israelites decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant onto the battlefield, thinking that that would guarantee them victory. But of course, Yahweh is not a magical charm that we wave at all of our problems and expect them just to go away. And this time, the Israelites were even more badly defeated. Both of the corrupt sons of Eli the priest were killed in battle, and the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. After the battle, a messenger ran to Shiloh to tell old Eli the news, and when he heard that the Ark had been captured, he fell over from where he was sitting, broke his neck, and died. But seven months later, after the, the presence of the ark had somehow destroyed the statue of the Philistine god and caused the people of the Philistines to develop tumors in their bodies, the Philistines returned the ark back to the Israelites. So having regained the ark, which they believed carried the presence of Yahweh in their midst, the Israelites all breathed a collective sigh of relief. After all, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And now they have their God back. So Samuel calls all the people together and he basically says to them, are you finally ready to put your trust in God alone? If you truly want to return to the Lord, then it's time to put away all of your idols, all the things that you are counting on to save you. You've got to serve the Lord alone and give your whole heart to him. And he will deliver you from the Philistines. After all, that was a part of God's covenant obligation to his people. Now, if you recall, the Israelites had struggled with idolatry ever since they entered the promised land. Heck, ever since they left Egypt. Remember the golden calf? But when they arrived in Canaan, they encountered the local gods, Baal and Astarte, the Canaanite gods of, of war and fertility, who promised prosperity and security to all who would bow down before them and have there ever been more seductive idols than those oh we'll do just about anything to guarantee prosperity and security for ourselves and for our children won't we and when confronted by an army of philistines that threatens our lives or our health, our happiness or our comfort, our success or our wealth, our dreams or our future or our way of life, oh, we'll bow down before just about anything or anyone that promises to deliver us, just as the Israelites so often did. The threat of the Philistines constantly confronted the Israelites with a choice. A choice of where they would put their ultimate trust and allegiance. Would they rely on Yahweh, 
who had brought them out of slavery in Egypt and given them that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, would they choose to live in covenant faithfulness with the one who had demonstrated his own faithfulness to them again and again? Or would they choose to find some other means of achieving prosperity and security? Sometimes it's hard to bet your life on God when there are so many other promising and more tangible options from which to choose, especially when facing a frightening army of Philistines. The truth is the threat imposed by the Philistines has always been a challenge for the people of God across the centuries. We just know it by other names. Maybe for you it's unemployment. Or retirement, or an empty nest, or living alone. Maybe it's cancer, or addiction, or depression, or divorce, or dementia. You know, sometimes the grief we experience over the death of someone we loved can feel like we're being attacked by an entire army of Philistines. So can having a house full of children. And certainly the, the pressure that our culture puts on us to the march to the beat of its drum can be very powerful and intimidating. I wonder, what is the name of the Philistine army in your life? The thing that strikes fear in your heart or that causes you to question what you believe or that tempts you to look to something other than God for life. Well, according to Samuel, the only way to deal with the threat of the Philistines in our lives is to worship and repent. To turn away from all the things we are tempted to put our trust in and to turn back to the Lord with all of our hearts. And so like Joshua before him, Samuel calls Israel back to its covenant with Yahweh. And amazingly, the people actually respond. They begin to fast and they, they confess that they had gone astray and sinned against the Lord. And when the Philistine army gathered to attack them once again, rather than turning to their military leaders, the terrified Israelites asked Samuel to pray for them, to intercede for them before God. And so Samuel, he, he offers a sacrifice to the Lord and he cries out to God on their behalf. And the Lord responds. As the Philistine army bore down on the gathered Israelites, surely expecting another massacre. The Lord thundered with a mighty voice against the Philistines, sending their whole army into such confusion that they were completely routed by the Israelites in a stunning victory. The people cried out in repentance. And the Lord heard their prayer. And when the thunder of the Lord comes down, anything is possible. Of course, if we're really being honest, most of us would still prefer to rely on the world's largest military budget. 
after all. Divine thunder can be so unpredictable. And isn't it true that the thunder of the Lord seems to come down in response to some of our prayers, but not others? I mean, surely every one of us here has experienced disappointment in prayer when God has not responded the way we had hoped. But to be clear, prayer is not a vending machine to get what we want out of God. Just as dragging the Ark of the Covenant onto the battlefield was not a guarantee of victory, so prayer is not a mechanical way that we manipulate God into giving us what we want. No, prayer... Prayer is, is how we, we grow and, and, and develop our relationship with God. And one of the reasons I think that so many of us struggle in our faith and in our prayer life is that we do not invest in that relationship. And then when an army of Philistines shows up at our door, we cry out to a divine stranger expecting the thunder of the Lord just to make it all go away. But notice in our text, however, that God's answer to the prayer of the people came within the context of his covenant relationship with Israel. Samuel had called the people to repent. And they had turned back to the Lord with all of their hearts, confessing their sins and placing their whole trust in God. It was a renewal of the covenant. And when God's covenant people cry out in prayer, God always hears us. Of course, God remains free at all times to choose how God is going to respond. I mean, sometimes the thunder of the Lord rolls gently in our lives. Sometimes it explodes like lightning. And God's ways of saving may often surprise us. It may even be a long time before we're even able to recognize it, if we ever do. However, we who worship a crucified and risen Savior ought to be very careful about putting a fence around what we think answered prayer ought to look like. Because it may not be what we expect. Again, prayer is not magic. In fact, we do not actually trust in prayer. We trust in the one to whom we pray because our God is faithful. Trouble is that we so easily seem to forget all the ways that God has answered our prayers and helped us in our lives. And as time goes by, we... We have a tendency just to write things off to coincidence or uh, to, to luck or, or just to our own abilities or, or even hard work. Our memory of God's activity in our lives fades so quickly. That's why it's so important that we remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to us in the past because that is what allows us to put our trust in God now and in the future. And so Samuel, in an 
attempt to, to etch this moment in Israel's collective memory, he erects a stone as a memorial to God's victory, and he names it Ebenezer, which in Hebrew literally means stone of help. It was a reminder to the people that Yahweh was the rock of Israel and the great helper of his people. See, Samuel knew that one of the most important things that we can do for our faith is to tell our stories to one another and to our children. To remind ourselves of all the ways that God has demonstrated his faithfulness in our lives, just as Rosie did a few minutes ago. And every time we do that, we are building an Ebenezer to help us remember. And it is so important that we remember because this Philistine world so wants us to forget and turn away from the Lord. You know, every time my wife Rebecca and I begin to question our faith and wonder if we're crazy to believe what we believe, we just start going back over our story together, reminding ourselves of all the times and all the ways that we have experienced the thunder of the Lord in our lives and that God has shown himself to be faithful. And then we say, oh, yeah. I almost forgot. How could I ever stop trusting God now? And then our faith is renewed. Do you remember when Joshua first led the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the promised land? The very first thing that he did was build a pile of 12 stones, one for each tribe, as a memorial to God. And Joshua instructed the Israelites that when their children asked them, what did these stones mean that they are to say? Israel crossed over the Jordan here on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you so that you could cross over. Just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried up its waters for us so that we could cross over. So that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. And so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. It is so important that we too create memorials to God's faithfulness in our lives and in our church. That's one of the reasons we celebrate Founders Day, to remember all that God has done in our church's life. Of course, the best memorial of all, the greatest testimony to all that God has done in our lives is the way that we live them. The way we treat other people, especially those with whom we disagree. The way we respond in the face of Philistines. The way we live with integrity and with Christian ethics and morals in this world. 
the way we demonstrate our gratitude through generous giving and serving others, the way we worship and put our whole trust in the Lord. Lives lived in faithfulness to Jesus Christ are the greatest Ebenezers of all, demonstrating to all the people of the earth that Jesus is Lord and that he is faithful. Unfortunately, human beings are often not. And despite Samuel's faithful leadership, and this incredible victory that God gave to the Israelites over the Philistines. This wonderful moment of covenant renewal did not last. In the very next chapter, the Israelites come to Samuel, and in a rejection of God, they ask for a king. Someone who would bring them prosperity and security. So they could be like all the other nations. Apparently, they forgot to remember the thunder of the Lord. And as we as a congregation enter our 183rd year. May we, the people of the Swickley Presbyterian Church, never forget. Amen.